Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. All right, this is a Keep Hammering Collective. I'm with Bo Nickel. It's nice to have you here. Yeah, great to be here. Had a great day. Man, what a day. It was, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I went on a pretty good run of a lot of podcasts back to back to back and then at hunting season mm-hmm. and then kind of just been getting back into it now. Uh, I think I have three more podcasts to do by the end of the year. So I was like, I was in really good shape before season <laughs> and, and anybody who'd come, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be ready you yeah. know, from all these freaks. But then, you know, Rihanna was talking to you about getting you here. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I got a beast coming and I'm not in shape. <laughs> I'm not in shape. So, yeah. uh, it was a great day, but yeah. I was a little nervous getting you in here. Cause you're, I mean, for those who don't know, Bo is like, uh, you know, a UFC, not a veteran, like kind of a newcomer now. You, what are you, two or three now? Two and zero in the UFC, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. what are you overall? Five and zero. Five and zero. Yeah, yeah. So, but you're the guy everybody's talking about. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's there's the names everybody knows, and like they've been in the mix for the championship belts and everything for years. And then there's you, who's like coming up, and everybody says that's the guy, right? Mm-hmm. All the experts are saying that's the guy. That's you. So it's exciting to have you here. I mean, it's a big honor. I followed you for a while. I know about your, your, I don't know, not even just college, but all your wrestling pedigree for 20 years, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it's exciting to have you here. Yeah. I appreciate it. I was honestly like in the same boat as you with, uh, hunting and stuff. And I wasn't necessarily in like a hundred percent shape where I'd like to be. So when uh, I knew I was coming out here, I was like, frick, I better be ready because <laughs> y'all, I know you get after it, but, uh, yeah, it was great, you know, and I'm, I'm just grateful that, that I get to be here, that I get to hang out with you and learn and chat and talk. So yeah, it's been pretty cool for me as well. What'd you, what'd you think of the, the mountain carrying the rock? It's no joke. I, <laughs> I feel like I need to get some more of that. I was, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, but I definitely, you know, my, most of my conditioning training is my sport, right? Like, you know, rounds and sparring rounds in the bag. I feel like that's what I've always kind of gravitated towards, but there's something about just getting out in nature, having it's really you in the mountain and mm-hmm. big ass rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it, right? Like you got to get to a place in your mind, like to get up there that, uh, you know, it's not like, uh, you can make somebody quit that rock in the mountain. Like they're not quitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did great. I mean, it is a grind. It's, it's, tough. I mean, I, you know, Huberman said himself, it's the hardest cardio he's ever done. He's not a UFC fighter, (laughs) but he is, and he's a beast for sure. You know, so it's, uh, that means something. And you, you did a great job. I mean, carried the rock the whole way. It's, it's tough. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was thinking about this too, in regard to training, you said you, you do like pretty much do your sport to Mm -hmm. train and, uh, it was, you know, that type of training, the rock up the mountain it reminds me of, you know, you saw Tony Ferguson was just training with David Goggins, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of critics. on. I don't know if, <laughs> if you and Joe talked about this at all. Did I don't you? think we did. No. Yeah. I no. mean, maybe I'll, briefly, but not, not much. I'll mention, uh, Bo was just on like a new, pretty new podcast, the Joe Rogan experience yesterday. <laughs> 
And so I was like, I'm, I'm hoping we don't cover the same material as yeah. you guys did. Probably not because Joe's like smart and I'm dumb. <laughs> so my, my questions are pretty basic or, but, uh, yeah, I, I was wondering with Tony and Goggins, it's not really the skill set training, right? You know, you said you, if, when you work out, you want to also be building skills for sure. Right. Yeah. And, uh, they were training more of like a grinded out mentality, like a dog mentality. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've thought about that some and you know, the way I look at it, I'm, I'm, everybody's different, right? Like for me, that's kind of been what I feel like is best for me. And if somebody else, you know, wants to get a different style, a different type of training, I don't really judge that at all. I think that Tony is a proven, um, top level world-class fighter and you know if he thinks that's what he needs to do like that's what he needs to do there's mm-hmm. no real for me i don't really like the idea like you know talking about what this guy's doing or that guy's doing for training you know maybe uh we'll see in the results i mm-hmm. obviously am rooting for him i hope yeah. that he goes out there and freaking puts on a show just because yeah. i'm a big fan of you know the sport in general and tony ferguson's one of, like he's been here forever so i would love to see him go get a win fellow American wrestler. Right. So, you know, I think that I'm sure this training camp was with Goggins was the hardest one he's ever done. Like Mm -hmm. I have no doubt about that. So yeah, I, I, I think every, he's going to do what's best for him. I'll do what's best for me, but I think there's, there's definitely after today and feeling what it felt like just to get up that mountain. I think there's some room for that type of training in anybody's uh, camp. Well, the most famous wrestler I know, used to carry a log up and down stadium steps. Do you know <laughs> who that is? <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. Monster. <laughs> Vision Quest. Exactly, yeah. That's a, that's a classic. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's know that everyone has their season. Deer season, turkey season, duck season. Every animal is a unique challenge. Every hunt, a different experience. And I count on my local Cabela store here in Springfield, Oregon to gear me up with all my hunting necessities. And you know, I like to support companies that give back to conservation. Under the leadership of founder John Morris, Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's are leading North America's largest conservation movement. Together with our partners, they're positively shaping the future of the outdoors through donations, grant writing, and advocacy. Head to their website, BassProShop.com or Cabela's.com and get geared up for your upcoming hunts. How many times did you watch that movie? I've watched that like a dozen times at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. That's such Me a good too. one. <laughs> Me too. Mm-hmm. It worked for him. They need to remake it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Don't, they remake every other movie. I know. Yeah, that would be great. Oh. I'm trying to think who they could get in there. They could get some good guys in there, I'm sure. But yeah. That would be fun. That was, uh, yeah, I love that part of it. But mm-hmm. that reminds me of that. You're going to make weight? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Good. I, 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 don't remember, but. I haven't, I haven't watched it in a while, but yeah. I just, I was thinking of that just now, just cause of the whole, you know, the wrestling, I wasn't involved in wrestling growing up. I mean, when I went to high school, we didn't even have wrestling. Oh really? Yeah. There was no program. So everybody played is during football, right? It's there's overlap. Yeah. Is yeah. It, there's a good or amount. Or is it during basketball? So wrestling kind of runs like fall and spring typically. Mm-hmm. So it'll go from, you know, October through mm-hmm. February, March. So it, the first half of football season and then the first half of basketball season, it kind of overlaps oh, both of them. The last half of football, first half of Yeah, basketball. sorry, yeah. last half of football. Yeah, so we, I didn't, but since then, you know, never having done it, following the UFC, you become a huge fan of wrestlers. Because right. it seems like wrestlers kind of set the, 
I, I don't know, set the pace. Um, you know, it, the, the fight generally happens where they want it to happen for mm-hmm. the, you know, not for the most part, but a lot of times, I mean, guys, you know, that I can't imagine you got a wrestler over there who's really good at getting people on the ground and you're trying to, to fend off the takedown. That must be exhausting for people. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine, you know, uh, for me, I always think about when I go into a flight, like have my, I, I want my opponent to be worrying about as much possible, as much things as possible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's going to bring them a ton of anxiety and you see it all the time with guys like, like they have to respect that wrestling so much. And, uh, there are certain guys that, that use that very well to their advantage. You know, I think, I think some guys, wrestlers are also kind of can be stubborn and tough. So some dudes just want to get in there and bang. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the guys that really use that wrestling tactically and psychologically against their opponent, I feel like that those are the guys that, that do the best. You know, the, the threat of something almost is more powerful than actually using it sometimes. So yeah. I try to take that with me. You know, I'm wrestled for 20 years. That's always going to be my my game. So um, I think where some, guy, some guys, you know, let it go a little too much, I'm trying to like really, you know, keep hammering that. Mm-hmm. Keep hammering. I got it. <laughs> keep I hammering got it. that. <laughs> no uh, pun intended, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and and keep that you know as a as a big part of um, my uh, reputation in fighting. Yeah, you know, we talked about critics earlier. Everybody's got something to say, especially people who don't fight. Definitely, <laughs> they're the experts. <laughs> but people like to criticize Chandler on he doesn't wrestle enough mm. you know because he's he's you know went to mizzou i think was all american yeah very good but he does bang oh yeah he loves know? it yeah so as people have said that like they they mention like his fight iq you know what i mean critics like to say stuff like that but i think for him you know especially hearing you just talk it's the threat of that wrestling that keeps them honest absolutely. he doesn't even have to do it. it absolutely yeah that's for sure what it is and and every wrestler has a different style of wrestling. Michael Chandler, if you look at him, he's so explosive, so powerful. Um, he, he's dynamic, and, and he can use that third of wrestling to knock people out, which he's done throughout his entire career, right? Like, he's not a guy, if you watch, if you look back and watch his wrestling film, he wasn't a take you down, ride you out, hold you down on top guy. He was mm-hmm. a take down, you know, blast through you, double leg you, smash you. That, that was his, that's how his wrestling translates to MMA. So, you know, I, I think that every, every, everybody has a different style and it, it applies differently to MMA. And for somebody to like criticize a guy who is at the top of the sport when more than likely the people criticizing them have zero hours training <laughs> yeah. or competing, it's like, right. come on guys. Like, <laughs> Mountain Ops has been my go-to supplements for the past seven years. My exclusive Keep Hammering line of products offers a blended protein powder, BCAs, and a pre-workout that I take every day. I also use their greens, reds, and they actually have a new hydration product called Hydrate that I use before every run. Mountain Ops has been a great partner over the years, and I especially love all they do to give back to the community. Every purchase made on the Mountain Ops website gives back to a family in need. They also give away a ton of different hunting opportunities. They even gave away an elk hunt and a deer hunt at one of my most cherished hunting spots in Utah. If you listen to the podcast, you also get 20% off by using code CAM, that's C-A-M, at www.mountainops.com. 
I mean, we also talked about that people have an opinion, they're passionate about it. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it you get tired of hearing it, but also I guess they're they're paying your bills a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, but I could imagine it's frustrating. I think that it's important to when you set your expectation for fans, it shouldn't be the same as your close friends, family, training partners, teammates, right. coaches. Like you can't look at them and take everything they say so personally. Like they don't know you, mm -hmm. right? Like that that's something that for me, um, going from wrestling, which is a very respectful sport, there's not a lot of trash talk, you know, maybe there here and there there is, but people generally keep it like pretty, pretty classy to especially fans no not every fan but <laughs> yeah for the most part to mma where it's like super hostile and uh it, it's been really interesting because I, I know initially for me at least i would i would get pretty fired up and i still get fired up here and there mm -hmm. like you know I, I that stuff it motivates me it makes me want to train harder do better prove people that doubt me wrong but at the same time i'm like all right you know let, let it let it be motivation don't let it be any more than that yeah, right? distraction yeah exactly yeah. you can't be like some dude says something to you and get all pissed off and want to like fight a guy in the street is like all right dude whatever you're, you're a joke like get <laughs> my face yeah like because <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day too like i don't know if this is this is your experience but i've never had a negative fan experience in person mm -hmm. it's always positive always ask for a picture yeah. and those are probably the same dudes that are like you only fight cans like yeah. you, you can't wait till you get knocked out like it's like bro like you know it's not real life mm -hmm. so you know i just try to you, you use that for a little motivation for a little fire and stuff but at the same time it's like kind of water off a duck's back yeah no i i get that um how much film do you watch on on your opponents or just on the sport in general film's huge for me i'm a yeah. big film study guy mm -hmm. um you know there's I'm pretty much watching film every day, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's a small amount, clips, things like that. I don't like to watch clips a lot, but mm -hmm. I like to, you know, if I see something that is interesting to me, I like to study it, break it down, try to figure out why it's working. But long, like longer film study, I, I do a ton of, and especially scouting my opponents. Um, typically, I'll do it in kind of two, two or three stages where I'll do it at the beginning of camp work on some stuff, do it again at the middle of camp, work on some stuff. And then right at the end, just like keep it fresh in my mind. So mm -hmm. I know that I'm sharp, I'm ready to go. And I think that's a very underutilized, um, kind of part of a training, uh, a really modality, training modality in MMA. You listen to anybody that, um, competes in professional sports in the NFL, the NBA, even the MLB, like these dudes are studying a lot of film. They're yeah. watching tons of film, you know, yeah. talk to an NFL quarterback, talk to a point guard in the NBA. Every single interview they do, they're they're referencing film study, mm -hmm. and uh, that that those these these types of um, training modalities and things. I feel like MMA it's such a I'm gonna be a tough guy. I'm gonna come out here. Let's let me bang, bro. And it's like that's that's a given. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's part of the sport. Yeah. But let's come at it. To me, I want to come at it intelligently. I want to come at it from a a place of professionalism, and uh, I feel like it helps me a lot. You know, because. You can only train so much mm -hmm. and, and you can only put so many hours in in the day to where before you're really grinding your body into dust. But I can study film for hours and hours and hours. And that's where I feel like I, I get a leg up on people. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that being a big advantage of, you know, tendencies because it, it seems like fighters have their same familiar things they like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pattern. And they go back to it. Yeah. You know, they might they might try different things, but you know, in the heat of the moment or when the, the fire gets pretty hot, you kind of know what they're going to do. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's, 
if I can, if I know, if I can force a reaction out of a guy, it's over. Yeah. You're done. Like, and, and, you know, of course the confidence in knowing that, that it's over is from reps and reps and reps and hours of, of drilling and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, working these specific techniques and working positioning and understanding how to, how to elicit that reaction out of a, out of a guy. So, um, yeah, everybody has that, right? Like no matter how good you are, whether you're, uh, it's your first fight or whether you're John Jones, like you're, you're going to have a reaction in some way. And a big part of preparation and, and being well-prepared for a fight is understanding that, knowing that, and not only understanding and knowing it, but putting in the, the drills, putting in the time throughout that camp to know what you're going to do in the flight. Like, you know, it's one thing to think it, but then you gotta, you gotta back that up with, with time in training. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that I feel like film would be a big one. What did you, I mean, what do you think film is more important for tendencies, wrestling or fighting? Did you watch film during wrestling too? I did. Yeah. yeah. I was, I'm, I've always been a big film guy. It started out honestly when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I remember being eight, nine, 10 years old. I would, if there was wrestling on, I was watching it, mm-hmm. whether it was on, you know, the NCAA championships, big 10 network, flow wrestling, YouTube, whatever. Like I was on it. I knew mm-hmm. it. I would get magazines in the mail and I would read through every single ranking, every single article, know exactly what's happening, where, who's going to match up, which kid was good. That way, you know, when I go to a tournament, my dad was a high school wrestling coach. So mm-hmm. I would go to all these big tournaments as a, as a kid, you know, and watch the high school guys compete. And I would know every single guy that was, mm-hmm. that was out there and competing. So, um, film study has been a big thing for me since I was a kid. First, it was more so enjoying it and like watching as a fan. And then mm-hmm. it became something that I was like, wow, this is like helping me a lot. So I still enjoy it, but I do it purposefully. And uh, I would say, I don't know that one or the other is more important, but I mean, MMA is so much more high stakes. Yeah, it's right. so much more high stakes You're than not wrestling. Not gonna get knocked out in wrestling. No, and 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 it's it's just a whole different ball game when, you know, there's there's a, however many million people watching. There's you know money on the line. Your career's on the line. Your health is on the line. That type of thing versus a wrestling match where it's a big deal if you win or lose, but you know, you're not getting knocked out and embarrassed in front of millions of people. So, I mean, I would say like everything in MMA is heightened. Mm-hmm. You know, your fights so far in the UFC have been pretty quick from, yeah. from what I know. So I, you know, you mentioned if you get a reaction, it's over. I was, I was wondering when you said that, like I could see where it really would pay off in a longer fight. And I was, then I was wondering to myself, if you get that reaction, do you act on it then or do you bank it and know and think that, okay, well, he did that this time. I'm not going to do it now, but now I know what he's going to do. So when he does, when he reacts, I'm doing this. I think it's both. So, um, in my last fight, a uh, good example. So w- we were Southpaw Orthodox matchup and, um, I came out right away, uh, threw a punch, um, came back like really fainted a punch and fainted a takedown to see how he reacted. Then we kind of circled back to the center. I dropped my hand down and he was super nervous about the takedown. So he dropped his hand down. So immediately when that happened, I knew I'm coming over the top. I'm gonna do the same exact thing, come over the top of the right hook. And I did it, boom, and it landed. And that was just in the moment where I saw what he did. I knew there was gonna be an opening the exact next time. And I went for it. I wasn't trying to knock him out or anything. I was just, you know, saw that and kind of read him. And, uh, 
it worked out. I was able to um, then get the finish, but there's definitely a lot of stuff where there's, there's other scenarios where, you know, you might be put in position, you see how a guy reacts and you're not going to be able to elicit that same reaction right away. Mm-hmm. So then you do have to keep that in the bank. And that's where the, the mental side of the sport is so important, where you're under pressure, you're getting tired. How good are, how good is your decision-making capability in those situations? And, and how well are you able to log those little notes where you see, okay, I fake a, a fake a calf kick and he, and he, and he goes to check it like this every time. All right. And I can fake a calf kick, come up, come up with a two, three or, or, or take him down or then tee him in the belly. Like what, what have I put into drilling in training that I'm now, I'm going to be able to access in these moments. That's kind of my opinion on that, you know? So, so you really do both, you know, you can go right away if you, Mm -hmm. if you know it's there or, you know, maybe, Maybe there's a situation where, where you want to save something or, you know, things like that. Like kind of, it, it's, that's that being able to discern what to do. That's like a very important part of fighting. Yeah. Um, so who do you see like you're 185? Mm-hmm. that's uh middleweight, right? Yep. Middleweight. So of the guys say in the top 10, who is most susceptible to falling to you because of your skill, your wrestling heavily heavy skill set who would you think is is yeah um to be honest everybody really (laughs) everybody man you know like (laughs) that's the thing is uh there's there's the division i'm in right now is is not very wrestling heavy there's Mm -hmm. not really a lot of uh, high level grapplers of people who you know i i feel like can threaten me or can really defend what what i have so you know um i think all those guys are are right for the picking and uh you know um We'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, whoever the UFC decides to match me up with, I think that I'm continuing to develop as a fighter overall. My my other my my base and my footwork and my my skills are getting sharper and sharper every day in in the other aspects. And then you know I'm continuing to improve in wrestling. So by the time I'm fighting those guys, I don't really see. Uh, of course, there's tough guys. You know, there's there's a good chance some of those fights are going to be competitive, but. I'm working right now and putting the time into where every fight I have is going to look like this dude's outclassed. It doesn't matter whether it's an unranked guy in his first UFC fight or whether I'm fighting for the belt. Like that's my intention and my plan. I'm not going out there to bang it out and have a 50, 50, you know, split decision with a guy. Like I'm going out to dominate every single dude that I compete against. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't really look at anybody in like feel like, you know, Oh, this dude's a tough matchup, or oh, this dude's a bad matchup. It's just you know, for me, it's about developing, improving, getting better, and that—that's really what I'm focused on. Yeah, I I think that you know, I think that fighters when they know they got some wrestling prodigy, yeah, uh, or somebody who's like they know the the reputation is, I think, and they're not wrestling whatever centric. I think they're. They want to avoid that. Yeah. They don't like that. Cause <laughs> I'm good. you know, cause I've even seen, you know, there's black belts and it's weird. Cause you know, I think, uh, Hosmod even said this, he was just a wrestler, but he would fight black belts and dominate them. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like that ever happens to wrestlers. There's it, not, there's not a bad matchup really for a wrestler. No, you know, I maybe think striking that, if they can't strike at all. Yeah, if they can't strike at all, I would say a bad matchup for a wrestler would be somebody who 
is disciplined, who keeps a good base, who moves a lot. Like mm-hmm. like a Adesanya did a good job of always uh, continuing to move, like right. not not never staying in one place to where the guy could read you and, and take you down. So you know he he was a guy that I think did well in that regard. But man, you're gonna have to move for the entire fight. Yeah. Like if you stop, you say, yeah, you can. That's pretty tiring. Most people don't train that way. Right. So they're not, it's not like, okay, you don't train this way. All of a sudden in the fight, now you're going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And most people don't like to train even that way. And they don't like to train wrestling either. So, you know, it's, it's hard to like one, they're not going to make up for it, but two, even if they, they're trying to, they're not really putting that work in. It's not fun. It's way more fun to hit pads and spar and do those types of things. And, that's what most people are doing, at least from from what I see. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I always love, you know, styles make fights is what they say. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, it seems like wrestlers have a big advantage just from the from the seat of the fan here where I'm at. And I'm, I mean, I want to see you up against, I don't, I don't know, I want to see it. <laughs> Me because too. Because I do know, like, I know Israel was a good example, is wrestling kind of was a weakness. I think that showed itself against uh, Jan. Yeah. But that's a bigger guy, but still, right. so he worked really hard to work on his wrestling, but still it's never going to be like a, a plot on the plus side. No. It's just like, hopefully it's not a devastating negative. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully it's just a push where, so the, at best they're making it where it's hopefully cor- sort of even, <laughs> yeah. it's never going to be an advantage where right. you're going to have an advantage in that category every time. For sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, I want to put myself in those positions as much as possible. Like if a guy has to wrestle with me for five, for a round, for a round and a half, it's like, good luck, dude. One, you're going to be so tired. You're not going to be able to do anything. Two, like I'm going to win those positions every time. Like you're not mm-hmm. beating me. You're just not going to. And so I hope that I don't, I, I don't know. It's curious for me to think about what guys are doing to, to train for me and prep for me and get ready. Cause you know, like I said, most guys, they don't want to train wrestling. Um, they're not really working hard on it. And, you know, so they, they get, let's say they get matched up with me for a fight and they got eight or 10 weeks to prep. I don't know. What are they, they going to start sprawling? They're going to work on backing up, throwing an uppercut or a knee. It's like, okay. Uh, I don't know. That, that just, that's something I, I think about and consider. But at the end of the day, like, there's zero chance they're going to make up really, really any ground in wrestling, right? Like, yeah. They're not going to, I mean, and you have kind of firsthand knowledge, not, not of yourself, but you did help Jorge Masvidal try to prepare for wrestling heavy Colby. It's tough. And I mean, how was he doing? Like when you guys would train, did, was it looking good? Yeah. What were mean, you thinking? He was getting better. He was improving and, um, he was making gains, but it's, you know, it's so hard to make those gains when the other guy has 20 years under his belt and you've been doing it for a few years and intermittently. And it's, it's just such a thing that if you do it as a kid, you get this natural feel, you know how to move your body, you know, this and that. And also it's kind of leverage against the guy you're with. Even if you know what to do and you do a good job in a fight, you got to do that over and over and over again. Like in a guy like Colby, I would say, against a guy like Colby, it's more important to be in good shape than mm-hmm. it is to be good at wrestling because, you know, you, you you can defend him once, but if it takes a good percent of your energy to do that one correct defense, what are you going to do the next time? Yeah, You're going to get worn down. And so it's more important to just be in, like, amazing uh, right. condition than it is to 
have good technique because you know you can kind of figure some stuff out let's say you're in great shape and you get taken down you're not worried about how much energy it takes to pop back up and get away like, like you're just going to do it but if you're concerned frick all right i got taken down now how much energy am i using oh i don't want to be tired because it's the worst thing in the world to be in a fight is, is tired it, it's better to be way outmatched in technique and have that guy be tired and you be fresh than it is to have much much better technique but you're right, dead but you're fatigued so yeah. uh, to me like a lot of that had to do with with cardio more mm. so than even wrestling technique because it's you got to be able to you can learn the right technique but if you can't do it when you're tired it doesn't matter i do think that you know that years 20 you said 20 years of wrestling when you you get used to feeling some you know another man and how they're re, you know where their body is where that leverage works what you can do to manipulate it that comes you know over years yeah and just sure. just knowing how to take advantage and get the get the your opponent to do what you want him to do yeah yeah wrestling is the ultimate cheat code really because there's to me the biggest um I, i've already mentioned like cardio and conditioning as you know the biggest part of mma but after that it's really just control mm -hmm. if you can control your guy if like, like anybody that I, if i get my hands on him i'm gonna be able to move around control him, put him where i want to you know no, nobody's gonna be do, doing that to me when when we're, we're locked up of course you know you you change the range you get into kickboxing range or you get into boxing range and like things are different but just being able to control your opponent being able to to threaten the wrestling being able to take a guy down and and uh, put yourself in good position it almost doesn't a lot of people highlight the strikes they highlight a flying knee or a, a straight two or you know head kick or a combination like mm -hmm. this stuff is a, a formality it's an afterthought like that stuff is the easiest thing to figure out how to do what's hard is to figure out how to control and manipulate your opponent put them in a position where now you're in an advantage and then you do that over again over again over again and now you're giving yourself opportunities to to land strikes, to get takedowns, to get submissions, to finish the fight. But it, that's where it starts is that, that positioning, that control. And that's really what wrestling is mm -hmm. all about. Cause at the end of the day, like let's say you look at a wrestling match, if you get an angle on somebody and now I can shoot and take them down, that's the same thing as me get an angle on somebody and punch them mm -hmm. or kick them. It's the same thing. Or let's say I get, I get to the leg, I get them on the ground. They're going to try to get up. I pull them down to their hip. Like I'm just doing just the positioning aspect of it mm -hmm. without the the landing, the strikes or the doing submission. So it's like, but the end result's the same. You're really doing 80% of it yeah. just without the finish. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think wrestling, you know, that's, a, that's another thing wrestling gives that's a huge advantage. Were, were you in the corner for Jorge during that fight? So I was like kind of not, he didn't, he didn't have me in his corner. He had me kind of like mm -hmm. just cage side or whatever. Yeah. I want, I just wondered what the, was a thought like, okay, we're gonna have to knock this guy out. Cause Oh, I was with him in the backstage, like warming up and stuff. So the thought was it was really like I think he was more focused on the cardio than anything else. Mm -hmm. He was more focused on like don't get tired. You know, I think in the back of his head he kinda knew he needed to knock him out, but I mean he got tired in like two minutes. So I know. It went quick. It yeah. went quick. Now that must be demoralizing. Yeah. That's I mean, you thing. probably, you haven't been there. Uh, not in a fight. No, not really in a wrestling match. Um, but training practice, yeah. you feel that. Yeah. Okay. A lot. So it's the worst, man. It yeah. Sucks. <laughs> yeah. Today's podcast sponsor is Santa Cruz Medicinals. And it's a company I'm proud to talk about because I've been using their CBD products for years. 
We use a CBD beef tallow to cook our elk steaks, and their CBD cream is one of the best things I've used post-run to help ease the pain in my muscles. They make an array of potent CBD formulas. To be effective, CBD has to be dosed properly, and Santa Cruz Medicinals has those potent dosages. They make CBD deep sleep caps, pain creams, magnesium, beef tallow, which can be used as a moisturizer or for cooking, MCT oil, and more. Check them out at scmedicinals.com and use the code KEEPHAMMERING for 15% off and free shipping in the USA. You know, training or practice is not with the whole world watching right. against this guy. You hate, he hates you. <laughs> you There's know, a lot, yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I, you know, I wanted Colby, obviously, but I did, I felt bad because it was like, he looked, exo- Jorge looked, you know, I liked Jorge for years. Yeah. For years, he was like, you know, we watched the backyard stuff with yeah. him. Loved. Yeah. He was such a dog. I know. And so, yeah, of course, I wanted Colby's from where I live, same town, but I did, I saw Jorge over there, like leaning against a fence at the end, just couldn't even hardly stand up. And I'm yeah. like, God dang, that sucks. Cause he's a, he's a gangster. Yeah. He's a great guy too. Like, Is you he? know, yeah, really, really nice dude. Love training with him. And you know, he's taught me a good amount and stuff. So, you know, I was grateful to kind of have that experience and be there with him. It helped me a ton just knowing what it's like to be in a UFC pay-per-view main event and go through this process. Like I was able to kind of go through that with him before I was ever even in the UFC. So super valuable for me. And yeah, it's tough, but that's the game. That's the life we chose. And there's only one winner and, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is what it is, but, uh, don't get tired in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll, I'll note that for my, whenever I <laughs> enter the octagon. Whenever you make your debut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I am like, I'm so lucky to be, I, I'm, I've been a big fan. I mean, I watched like back when Ken Shamrock and mm. uh, Hoist Gracie, when there was no weight right. limits and it was like 1996 or whenever it was, we used to get it over my buddy's pay-per-view. Oh, uh, yeah. And plus then before that, I used to watch, uh, I think they called it, was it Tough Man? Tough Man competition? Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And there's they still uh, do those sometimes. Phil Baroni. <laughs> Phil Baroni. Phil Baroni was teammates in wrestling with one of my college coaches. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, he was like he was shredded. Yeah. And like a beast in this <laughs> Tough Man competition. Yeah. I used to love that stuff. It's like bare knuckle yeah. throwdown. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. But uh, yeah, so I've been like a combat sports fan, mm-hmm. just a fan for decades. So to be friends with Joe and be able to be right there, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's a dream come true. And yeah. also to have, you know, I was telling you today, I've never had a champion in the gym. I've had, I've had uh, Colby won the uh, interim. Mm-hmm. He beat uh, Dos Anjos, right? And Chandler has fought and it was like this close oh, right there to beating Oliveira. <laughs> I thought he had one, like one more one punch. More, it yeah. would have fit, you know, Oliveira's on the ground, like doing like this. So close. Then he would have been champion. And then, uh, you know, Chad Mendez, he had mm-hmm. the great fight, five round war with Aldo down in Brazil. Right. And, uh, so never had an official champion. So right. maybe it's you. But we, I think it will be for sure. I mean, if if we'll see how this fight goes with Colby and Leon, but if he doesn't get her done, I'll get her done. <laughs> <laughs> Who's uh, who have you learned the most from? Uh, you know, either personally or from afar. Who have you tried to model yourself after, if anybody? Um, I wouldn't say there's a 
person I've tried to model myself after, but as far as like people I consider mentors, people that I look to for advice, um, within, within MMA specifically, uh, to my coaches, uh, Barry Robinson, who he's, uh, a boxing coach and striking coach. I mean, he, he started off in boxing, but now he's really moved into anything striking related. And, uh, he lives in Thailand, but I pretty much communicate with him on the daily on, uh, you know, social media or through, through text. We'll do FaceTime film studies and stuff like that. And, uh, he's helped me so much just understand the game of MMA and the really how to be a proficient striker. Like a lot of stuff that I'm, that I'm saying now about, positioning and you know learning how to move learning how to control like this this type of stuff comes from him and so he's made a huge impact on me and then uh the other coach i work with heavily is mike brown and mm -hmm. mike you know he was wc world champion really uh obviously tough fighter and now uh like head coach at american top team down in coconut creek florida and he's really taught me um a lot of like the the mental game of mma of you know pick your spots stay stay in a good position stay safe and learning how to blend together the styles that i'm that i'm good at and kind of tailor and figure out what my what my game is in mma so learning how to punch into takedowns learning how to go takedowns into jujitsu learning how to threaten jujitsu and, and and ground and pound these types of things i'm, I'm learning from mike and uh, so i'm i'm really lucky i've always had really good coaches i think it's just something that uh, I've been been blessed with my dad coached me in wrestling from five to 18 when I got in college and he was an amazing coach coached I don't even know how many individual state champions and state championship teams and so it really started with him and then obviously I had great coaches at Penn State for wrestling and so that's always been a relationship that's been really important to me mm. to find really good coaches people that I trust people that I uh, believe that I can you know that I know are going to give me not just tell me what I want to hear, but give me the right information and, and maybe get on me a little bit when I need to, when I need to hear that. So, you know, those guys for me, when I transitioned into MMA, it was like priority for me to find mm. good guys that I trust. And those are two guys that had definitely had the biggest impact on me mm -hmm. in my career thus far. How was your dad as a coach? Was he pretty <laughs> tough on you? You can say that. Yeah. 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 He was tough on me. Um, you know, I think that a lot of kids, they're, that, that whose dads are coaches, their dads are tough on them. And maybe they, they don't really want it. Like they're not a hundred percent in on whatever they're doing. And so that puts a strain on the relationship, but I'm super close with my dad. Like my dad's one of my best friends. So I think that it was good because he coached me basically as hard as I wanted to be coached. There were times when it was like a little much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that helped me. And now I look back at all of that stuff and I'm so grateful for it. Like I, I remember, I don't, I, there was countless nights where I would basically do the youth wrestling practice or no, excuse me. I would do the start off coming at three or 4 PM, do the high school wrestling practice. Cause they would go straight after school, do that for two hours. I'll take an hour break, get some dinner or whatever, and then do the youth wrestling practice. And my dad would coach the youth wrestling too. And what people do nowadays, they do these clubs, right? Mm -hmm. Where all the youth from the area come in and they pay whatever a hundred bucks a month to do this. Like my dad was doing that for free. So mm -hmm. he was getting all the best kids in the area and just just trying to build the program of the high school and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Cause he knew all these kids are coming up. They're gonna go to school here. They're gonna get good. So then I would do, you know, hour, half or so of youth practice. And then it would, everybody would leave and it'd be me and my dad. And we would do, you know, squat jumps across the mat and push ups and pull ups. And he'd put these, these bands on my waist and make me take shots. And it was like extra, you know, 45 minutes, hour, just us. And, uh, 
nobody was doing that. Right. Like that, that's, yeah. that's what I remember. And it was something where it was like, he was making me do it, but I wanted to do it. Mm. And I, I could see the correlation. Like I put this work in, I, I, I grind it out and do what people aren't willing to do. I'm going to get results that people aren't going to get. Mm-hmm. And so now obviously my dad, he's not, he's not coaching anymore, but he's a guy I really look up to. Mm. And we more so have like a friendship type relationship where, um, you know, I know he, he's like my number one fan, number yeah. one supporter. And, you know, I can, we can talk about pretty much anything and everything. So yeah, it was, it, I, it's really positive for me, at least that that's been my experience. So, you know, really grateful that he would like cared about me so much and put that much time into me. Yeah. Did, like, what would he say on the nights you didn't want to do all that? Was it, there times? I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, it would just be basically like, you want to quit? You can quit. Mm. Go ahead. <laughs> is that, is that, that's, he would just put it on me. Right. It'd be like, that's what you want. We can go home right now. Let's do it. Like He's like, I'm not going to make you do it. Loophole Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Loophole Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Loophole, for supporting the podcast. And then it was always me. I was be like <laughs> crying or whatever. I'd be like, no, I don't like come on let's go do it again like don't make me don't make me go home so (laughs) he was a good motivator psychology he he was great at it and i i saw him you know just have such a big impact on so many kids and uh obviously you know i think for the most was was me we spent the most time with me but on so many kids like that where he would be he would literally coach kids that had no business winning into winning like all Mm -hmm. the time he would have kids that would start wrestling in high school and end up being state champions. Like, which that doesn't happen just cause he was, he, he would teach good technique and things like that. But just mainly the motivation was mm. like, he was, that was his probably the best attribute as a coach. Yeah. But it's kind of not really fair that you got to have that good of coaching as a kid. It's like, that's must be nice. See that? Song? Yeah. No, seriously. So it's not fair. It's not, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, that, that's how I feel too. I'm like, all right, man. Like I, I'm, I think that, I'm so grateful for it. I appreciate it. Not, and, but I, I recognize like not everybody got this. Yeah. Like, like I was in a, such a fortunate position and such a fortunate place. Like there's no way I would be able to be where I'm at by myself. Like mm-hmm. I would have, you know, who knows what I'd be doing, but all these people poured into me and it is nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. great. I, I, I recognize that I'm grateful for it, but I think that for me now, I, I just always look back on that with, with gratitude and I know I didn't do it by myself. So I feel like I'm okay with it because I know it, 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 there's a, there was a lot of effort from a lot of people that went into getting it, me to this point. Well, you know, uh, Joe and I were talking, I, I like coaches, you know, you, you talk about your dad reminded me of this, but, uh, we talked about, I think it's John Donaher. Is that who mm-hmm. is that Gordon Ryan's coach? Yep. Just being so obsessive and smart also. <laughs> and like, just that's his whole life yeah. is coaching. And then I know, was it, Caleb Sanderson, is that who? Kale. Kale Sanderson at your at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Is he kind of that same? Because he seems like a larger than life type figure too. Was yeah. It? So what? they have very different styles, I would say, of coaching. Mm. Um, real quick, I have a funny Danaher story. So I actually had a grappling match with Gordon. I remember that. So I, I did a gra- I'd never done any real jujitsu in my life, like as far as a ne- like competing or anything like that. And uh, so he had a couple of opponents drop out, and I, I just messaged him on Instagram. I was like. Yo, if you want your opponent, I'll, I got you. Like, oh, let's do it. Yeah. And he's like, all right. So set it up and all that. And uh, 
So in my mind, I'm thinking going in, I'm like planning on winning, but I know like what I'm going up against. And so there's so many unknowns. It's just like, I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm just planning on winning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even know what questions to ask or anything like that. Right. I, I did a couple like real actual jujitsu practices the week before where I had people teaching me stuff, teaching me how to defend, you know, uh, a guillotine, how to not get my back taken, these type of things. And uh, so we get there and they do a weigh-in and I'm like, this was, I was so dumb. I was like, I didn't even ask about what weight we're going. So I come <laughs> in, I weigh like 201 or 202. He's like 230. Yeah. I'm like whatever, I don't care, I'm here. Yeah. And uh, we did it at this uh, sports bar and then the refs and the promoter that are putting it on, they like bring us into the back of the sports bar at this table and uh, I'm sitting there and I got one of my wrestling coaches with me. It's just like us. We've never done it. We're just like, all right, let's freaking go. Yeah. Whatever. And uh, Dan and her quiz these refs and quiz the promoter for like an hour mm. about all the rules. Because jujitsu, it's always different rules for oh. everything. And so he's quizzing them, asking them all these questions and doing this and that. And I'm like, dude, well, you want to relax? Like, I've never <laughs> done jujitsu in my life. Yeah. Like, you freaking, what, what the hell is going on here? But he was covering every base. Like right. he was like, not going in unprepared or not going in thinking, oh, he was going to whip me. He was like making sure that they yeah. had every single escape or out advantage, this yeah. and that. And I was just like, that's what I, I don't really regret losing that. I regret not being as well prepared as them. So that's, right. that's taught me coming into MMA. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the type of preparation I need to yeah. do. That's professional. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm obviously wish I would have won. But I'm grateful for that experience because I learned a lot from kind of the way they handled things. And because yeah. uh, I'm just like down, I'm just like, yo, you want to do it? Let's go. Yeah, like, that's, right. how, that's my personality. But, you know, I, I just appreciate the way they handled it. It taught me a lot. Yeah. yeah but Co- Coach Kale is much different. Coach Kale, his coaching style is he he isn't like analytical like that, like mm. Danaher. He has... Um, he, he, he's more like uh, talking about principles of like how we handle ourselves, you know, that type of things. Like a, a, some things we always talk about. We always talk about one, you got to know what you want. Mm-hmm. So like that, that's, that's straight from him about, you know, if, if you're not clear on what you want, you're just going to end up with whatever you end up with. You yeah. know? If you don't have a goal, if you don't have something clear in your mind, you're not visualizing, you know, you're going to get what you're going to get. And uh, two, know from there, like, it's on you to get it. It's not on anybody else. It's, it's, it's your job to put the time and put the work in to go on competition day and compete and win. Like it's not on the coaches. It's not on your parents. It's on you. So like mm-hmm. that's something that's, you know, that he preaches. And, and the last thing that he talks about that's been a huge impact on me, definitely the biggest impact and really like the foundation of everything that I do is, is gratitude and appreciating, you know, just, just w- getting better at being grateful for as much Mm. as you possibly can like if you have a abundance mindset and you can appreciate um whatever it is like my my one teammate gives the best example and it's uh that he's grateful he has dry socks mm. and it's you know if you can have that attitude that's going to permeate through the rest of your life it's going to take away that victim mentality and that woe is me all this and that it's like you're always going to get the best results you're going to get better results the more grateful you are in my mm. opinion like the more you can appreciate what you have and not complain about what you don't like you're going to do better with it yeah that makes sense i mean it puts it does put you in a different uh state of mind for sure and then you're looking at 
that you're looking at why you're grateful and the positives instead of a lot of people get tricked into focusing on what they don't have, what this guy has, what, what, how they got screwed out of this. Right. And then, yeah, when your focus is there, that's where you're going. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that is a great lesson. Yeah. I just know, I think he, was he like undefeated? Yeah. So he's the only, uh, collegiate wrestler to go undefeated win four national titles ever. So he was 159 and oh, he was like the guy I looked up to as a kid Olympic gold medalist, um, one of the winningest coaches in college wrestling history. So he's pretty much done everything. And and he's a guy I look at, like definitely a big, a big mentor of mine, a guy that I look up to. And I think, you know, you, you can talk about his skills. You can talk about his, his coaching ability, his motivation, the, the principles that, um, he, he teaches all of us, but he's just like a really good person. Mm. I think, and you know, it's not like he's a perfect person where, Every single thing you do is always going to make the right decision. But like, he's a guy I just trust his intentions, and I trust um, like if he's if he's if he's giving me advice or if you know he sees something, he's a guy that like I just respect a whole lot. And I think mm-hmm. you know he just he brings that energy into a room. Like whenever he's in in a room, people are like he he just has that that about him. This type of guy, like whatever he did, whether he was a wrestler or a chess player or was in business, like he would be successful. You just know it because that's the type of person he is. Is that, I mean, you know, I've known guys not to that level of perfection like he had, you know, in his career, but there's people who you don't want to let down. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's t- not even like you're doing what that. You just don't want to let them down. They yeah. believe in you. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you want to do is fail them. For sure. I, I mean, did you ever felt like you let them down? Um. I never felt like I let him down, you know, I, I, cause, cause he always made it clear that his priority was effort. Mm. It was like, that's something else he talks about as a team. He's like, I'm, we're not worried about winning and losing. We're worried about effort. Mm-hmm. Like go have fun and, and give a hundred percent. And and if you do that, then we're good. You know, and a, after that, the results will take care of themselves. So I never felt like I, um, disappointed him more. So there were times where I disappointed myself because mm-hmm. I wanted something so bad that and when i didn't get it it was it was really devastating but uh there was one time where kind of the opposite happened and i was in a little bit i wouldn't say a funk but going into the national finals my junior year uh, i basically got put in a situation where i was wrestling kid from ohio state penn state and ohio state were neck and neck in the team championship the team race and whoever won between me and this kid their team would win as well Mm. so and he had beat me in the national finals two years earlier at, when I was a freshman. He was a mm. freshman as well. So we were like big time rivals, had some bad blood and stuff. Not really like actual bad blood, but just like a, a big rivalry yeah. in college wrestling. I'm excited to announce a partnership with Ice Barrel Cold Plunges. You guys know that I make it a daily ritual to jump into the ice bath before a long run just to get my head right. Just a little bump. And Ice Barrel has provided a cost effective solution for your cold plunge needs. Ice baths are one of the fastest ways I reset my body because it releases all the endorphins in the most natural way. I like to suffer, and I can tell you, once you start using an ice barrel cold plunge, you'll like the cold-induced suffer as well. Cold therapy reduces inflammation and pain by constricting blood flow to muscles. By temporarily reducing nerve activity, cold therapy reduces swelling and muscle spasms. Get yours at icebarrel.com and use code CAM for $125 off. Uh, I remember I was sitting there and I was freaking nervous. I was like, dang, like this is 
huge. A lot riding on this. All this is riding on this. And he comes up to me and uh, he's like, hey, I just want to let you know, if I had to pick any guy to go out here and wrestle this match right now, I'd pick you. And I was like, well, let's get it then. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And he just brought me out of that. My mentality t- completely changed. Okay. And then I went out and uh, it was a cool match. I ended up pinning him in the first period in like Whoa. a super epic like uh, reversal. He like took me down. And I kicked him through in reverse and right to his back and pinned him. And uh, the crowd, it was in Cleveland, Ohio, too. So Ooh. all Ohio State fans and all the Penn State fans went nuts. And it, it was a really cool moment. But I just remember that specifically. That was probably the time where I felt the most pressure for, you know, representing not only myself and my team, but like a whole university and uh, and him, you know. And he, he was in a year where it was like, his contract was coming up at the mm. end of the year as a coach. Which, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had already won He's five. pressure. Yeah, he had won like five national titles at that point. So it wasn't like, mm. like he was not in threat of losing his job or anything. But like it looks a lot better if we win. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it was, it was a big deal um, in, in that regard of like I did not. I definitely didn't want to disappoint him then. <laughs> yeah, no, that just him believing in you in that moment. I can understand how that would alleviate the pressure. It, it was big for me like mentally because he's a guy, like I said, when I was six seven years old he was the guy Mm -hmm. that's who i was watching you know i had a little vhs tape i remember it had one of those old tvs that had the vhs in the bottom of the tv and it was a recording of the ncaa finals his senior year Mm -hmm. and i would play it like all the time at night and i would watch and uh, i even got like headgear that were the same as his (laughs) and stuff like he was the the guy to me where did he go to college he went to iowa state okay yeah so i thought i wanted to go to iowa state and he was coaching iowa state but then um he coached there for a few years and then went to Penn State after. So I was mm. like, that that's where I want to be. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's amazing. You know, it sounds good to say, okay, just go out there, give your best effort, have fun, but winning. It's hard, <laughs> it's easy to say all that. Yeah. But there's nothing like winning. I mean, when you're obsessed with winning and winning a, you know, I know you were obsessed with winning a national title. Just have just oh I did my best and had fun. That's probably not enough, is it? So I think that sometimes you're not going to make that an excuse. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like okay, well I did my best and had fun, so all good. It's like that's your life. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best every single day with every single second I have. I'm never wasting a workout. I'm going to make sure I'm disciplined in my nutrition and my sleep and my recovery. All you can. Yeah. So I think it more has to do with that. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to do with. Oh, I go out there and whatever happens, happens. And yeah. it's all good regardless. It's like, I'm coming out here to freaking win. And mm-hmm. if you're if you're in my way, I'm going to smash you. Like, I'm going to roll you over, bro. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, you, you have, you have, like, you're, you're just a, a blank face. Like, it doesn't even matter. So I have that type of mentality when competing where, like, I don't even see the guy I'm competing against. It's not even a, a person. Like, it's just a target. Right. And and so that, that's, like, the mentality I take in, in competition. But I know to get the best results that... It's effort based. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh man, well, I hope I win if the ref makes the right call or, mm-hmm. you know, if this guy slips on a banana peel yeah. or if, uh, you know, maybe uh, I just feel really good today. It's like, dude, I'm going out here 100% to, mm-hmm. to, to destroy whatever's in my, in my way. And, and that's kind of more so what I mean. And for me, that's fun. Yeah. And uh, I look at it like this there's been times that I've gone and competed where, I've won and I haven't been happy with my performance mm. where I felt like, man, I, uh, I didn't compete the way I wanted to. 
And, and that's really what I'm talking about is like, you know, there, there sometimes, you know, maybe you have a little fear in your mind or you, you want to get a lead and hold on or, you know, you just you, you didn't uh, prepare as well as you should have things like that. that. That's really what I mean by effort, by by basing my um, my my. I guess overall basing the result, the success of the result on that versus like what winning, winning and losing. Like, right. Like I would rather. I, I I hate to say this, but I would honestly rather go out in like a UFC title fight and just freaking give it my all and like just be in an absolute battle war and do everything right, everything I need to do. Know I was a hundred percent prepared and and lose, then go out there and uh, kind of like coast through and maybe not compete well and win and 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 just like not be myself mm-hmm. really it's more about being being yourself right like if you can be yourself then you're good and and to me like that's that's being competitive that's doing everything i possibly can to mm-hmm. win in my preparation and on that day and you know good things are going to happen i just i just believe that do you uh so you you know in that example there you said you know you just want to be yourself do you think that like the best fighters can you know everybody every fighter wants to fight their their best, their game plan, follow their game plan. But it seems like the most dominant champions, they dictate how the fight's going to go. Right. So it's like, if you do, if you train like you want, your skill sets where you want, your mindset's where you want, and then you control the fight. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. That seems like a big part of it for sure. Because you see people maybe that are tentative, they're kind of reacting, they're worried about this or that, but the guys like I feel like John Jones when he fights or Khabib when they when he fought, the fight was going to happen where they wanted it to happen. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I know it's easier said than done, but that's always the goal, right? For sure. And I think that a big part of kind of to to kind of sum up what you just said, the way that in in one word, I have a really uh, I know this really awesome guy's name is Christopher Maher, and he helps me a lot with uh, just the psychological side of. Of, of life and competing and also like keeping my body healthy and, and, you know, doing some different, uh, exercise modalities and things. He, he, but, but the word that he always uses and that he taught me is alignment. It, everything's aligned, right? Mm. That's in training. That's in recovery. That's in family. That's in, um, your, your faith and your spirit and, uh, the people around you relationships, like all that stuff is aligned. And, and when I look at, my goals of being the pound for pound number one fighter in the world, being UFC champion, defending my belt 10 times, everything I do and all of the, all of that, that kind of, uh, comes into like my life. Like I want it to be aligned with that. And, and that's what I'm chasing. That's what I'm focused on right now. So I think that when you see people go out there and compete and they look like they can't lose, it doesn't matter how good the other person is. It's because, they have they're they're more aligned maybe mm-hmm. than that person and and maybe that, that that's gonna look differently from everybody like yeah. everybody knows john jones it's a wild <laughs> dude like that yeah. dude's crazy but yeah you know he would figure it out a way mm-hmm. when it came fight night his mind his he could align everything everything was aligned time. yeah 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 it didn't matter Which, what happened the week before normally it's a lifestyle thing exactly like yeah. for me that's what i just choose to make it my lifestyle mm-hmm. and that's why i feel confident every time i go out there like, I'm going to kill this guy. Like, it's, it's, it doesn't matter, like, what you got planned for me, bro. Like, I'm 
I'm aligned and mm-hmm. everything here is, you know, on purpose and intentional. Well, I think a good example of that too, just to, you know, hearken on another UFC legend is Connor, when he came up, he was, it was aligned with, he was going to be champion. Yep. I mean, there was, that was, he was living in his mom's house, I think in a spare bedroom and still saying that he was going to be champion and he's going to drive cars and he was going to buy whoever this or that. And he was going to be, you know, he was aligned with that goal. And then once he got it, you know, and you know, I'm a huge Connor fan, of course, I'd just love to see him fight. But (laughs) once he got it, that alignment, you know, then there's other interests, business interests and building an empire. And that's, Hey, that's awesome. Right. That's awesome. But it kind of changes that alignment mm-hmm. on his, his focus Definitely. You know, to, to your point. Oh yeah. I've, I've thought about this before too. There's a really um, famous kind of quote from him where I think somebody asked him like where he sees himself in five years or 10 years. And uh, I don't want to butcher it, but he says something along the lines of, I see myself, you know, being world famous in the UFC, double champion, have more money than I know what to do with. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what did you it. did. But what's next? Yeah. Right. So, you know, to me, that's the thing where it's like, I want to, my goal is to be the UFC champion, pound for pound, number one fighter in the world. When I get that, which I will, all right, now you got to reset, reset, reassess. Yeah. What's my next goal? Is my next goal continuing in fighting? Is it to, you know, Am I going to have to reset and now want to become the, the greatest of all time? Or do I like, what do, what do I want? Or do I want to move on to another, another area, to another mm-hmm. arena? Do I want to chase even more elk? Like professional bow hunter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. I think that's just an important thing for yeah. everybody to ask themselves. It's like, what do you want? Right. Like, what, yeah. what are you chasing? I, you know, that documentary of Connor, that was so inspiring because it showed that whole journey and it freaking happened. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, I like seeing stuff like that. Oh, it's, it, it was, I, I don't know. I've watched that documentary because I was at the fight where he beat Diaz a second time and wow. he, he came through in the back and he's on crutches because <laughs> he was doing leg kicks. That yeah. was the biggest thing is, is Nate had his leg, has his leg out there a lot. And so, but uh, Connor's leg got beat up, you know, from landing all those leg kicks and he was coming by on crutches and he was saying, doubt me now, doubt oh, wow. me now. Cause he had lost yeah, yeah. obviously the time before uh-huh. and was just in another war, but it's just like, so I watched that cause he comes walking right by where we were in the back and I didn't watch this for that. I watched because I love the story, but it's just, it gave an extra incentive for me to care about that, that <laughs> film but so powerful yeah. because when he had nothing and no reason to believe any of that would happen, he was saying it for sure. Yeah. That's, I think that's such a, such a cool thing that, you know, in, in this life, in this world, it doesn't matter really where you start. I believe like if you set your mind to something, if somebody really makes a decision, like this is what I want, I think the universe conspires to like make it happen, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's other moving parts that are factored into that, right? Like, you know, maybe Connor, imagine if Connor never got a shot in the UFC, right? Like he just kept winning in cage warriors or maybe he um, lost another fight there and, uh, you know, just just never got a shot or got, you know, off track. You know, there's a lot of different things that could have happened, Mm -hmm. but he was so clear on it. He had so much clarity that, that's what happened. And you hear stories like that all the time where, you know, somebody comes from, from nothing 
and whatever their goal was, whether it's in athletics and business and, and whatever, and like, like they just make it happen. Those are my favorite type of stories. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Just because you know every day, and I'm assuming with you, I don't know. I don't know what your mindset is every day, but I can speak for me. So my goal was to this bow hunt and, and you know, bow hunt giant bulls is what I do. And I would think about it every single day. And so what was I doing that day to get me to the goal of hunting giant bulls Mm -hmm. in, in, you know, the most famous elk hunting mountains in the world. And it's like, if that is your focus every single day and it never wavers, there is no limit. For sure. Yeah. That's, I I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Like I think that, um, so every day you're focused on your goal of pound for pound number one, Mm -hmm. every day you're working towards that. For sure. Yeah. That singularity. And, uh, I think as for me, at least as I've gotten older, I've learned that that looks different every day. Like someday it might be, bro, we're going to take morning workout, afternoon, afternoon workout. We're going to freaking get after it. You're going to kill yourself and you're probably going to feel pretty terrible, mm-hmm. but this is what it takes. And then the next day it might be, Hey, listen, hop in that cold tub, get in that sauna, go get a massage, go to the Cairo, be disciplined, take care of yourself. Might be, okay, it's 10 PM. You got to go to bed. Oh, uh, you know, we're, keeping our nutrition right keeping there's so much stuff that goes into it and and i think that as i get older and more mature and just see more i'm always adding to that of of what that looks like what i what i know is helping me what i know is helping me push me forward and what i think is hurting me and i'm kind of like discarding that right and uh yeah i just think most people probably aren't willing to do that you know they're not willing to be consistent like that but i'm fortunate that i've had great examples of people that have achieved great things and, mm-hmm. and gone about it a certain way. And that everybody that I'm around has very similar mentality. Like I still live uh, near Penn state. I'm around all the, all the wrestlers I'm around, you know, the guys that are, that are fighting and competing with me, they have that mentality and everybody's kind of on that, that narrow path, which that's, that's the type of people I want to surround myself with because that's the type of lifestyle I want to live. And mm-hmm. so, you know, at the end of the day, it's like on, on me to make decisions for myself, but it does make it nice knowing other people are, are kind of on that same path with you. Yeah. I, I, you know, thinking about that too, it, and I don't know him personally, but it seems like Khabib every day lived that life, mm-hmm. you know, and he would say himself, he didn't care about the money. You know, he got a lot of money obviously, but he, you know, would go back home to his mom and dad before his, his dad died but go back home and was very uh, just dedicated to his faith. Um, you know, I didn't understand the faith at first or his dedication to it. Now I've watched more and learned a little more. And it's like he seems very dedicated to that. But it seems like he never wavered when his path was to be the number one pound for pound fighter. Never wavered. For sure. Never was distracted. For sure. Never went out and partied. Right. Never, you know, do the, you know, took time off or maybe he took time off, but didn't seem like it. Right. Yeah. You know, that's definitely a guy that I look at and it's hard when you're from a completely different side of the world and completely different culture and really like com- competitive, right? Like I, I'm here, I'm representing America. I'm representing USA wrestling and, you know, my family and my people, like I want to win for myself, but I want to win for them too. Mm-hmm. And then I see somebody coming over you know, from Russia and, you know, and essentially 
doing what I want to do. And at first I feel like I was like, I wouldn't actively, I never really actively root against anybody, but I cheer for the Americans. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, you know, there was times where I was like, kind of wanted him to lose, but the more that I listened to him in interviews and, and got to know him, I'm like, wow, this dude's like very similar to, to myself, like, you know, different culture, different religions, but I respect everything that he's doing and everything that he has done because I can draw so many parallels to the way that I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, somebody like that is a great, regardless of where they're from or, you know, what religion, like he's a good role model, like just based off of what I've heard him say and the type of person he is and things like that nature, like you have to respect it, you know, regardless of whether you're competitors or not. And I think there's a ton to learn from and, like I said, just just a lot of respect uh, that way, and that's why I I want to compete against the the, the Dagestani guys. I've, I've said this a lot in, in public, but those are the guys that I look at as the biggest threat. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to dodge them. I don't want to slink around and then you know fight fight this guy, fight that guy, and then like find the easiest pa- the path of least resistance to the belt. Like I want to beat the best guys. So yeah. if, if these guys are are the best guys, I'm coming for you. Yeah, and uh, it's not like a it's not like a negative thing. Like I don't really wish ill on them. Like I'm just I want to beat. Yeah, I I get that. You know I, you know as you said, you the more you learn about him and that lifestyle, the more you respect it. You know I listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts about fighting. I just like I said I'm a fan, but I listen to Blal Muhammad talk about training over there, mm. and I think he trained there for five weeks or something, and it was like the hardest thing he's ever done. And then I was thinking, man, so you're a professional fighter. And that five weeks was the hardest you've ever done. And they've been doing that for years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about with your wrestling experience. How could you ever make that up? They had been doing that for 20 years probably. Yeah. So that was huge. And then also I heard, uh, I can't remember where I heard it, but, you know, Khabib as a, as a coach or a trainer, he would, you know, if the guys came in and looked tired or, or, you know, maybe they, I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but he wouldn't let them spar. Right. Or he'd take their phone away. Yeah. You know, because they're they, sleeping. They must have not gone to sleep. Yeah. They must've been up too late on their phone. <laughs> so he wouldn't let them spar if, if they didn't get a good night's rest or if they were, or would take their phone away and then they'd spar only when they were well rested. I mean, that is like, cause when I think of, you know, Russians or Dagestanis, I think about, well, tough, no excuses. But to me, that was like another level of, understanding the game or the business or the just what what you guys do to know that it doesn't pay off to to push your body to your brain or your mind that way it's it's all about timing it's about being in tune definitely yeah there's there's absolutely a a right way to train and a and an incorrect way to train it's not it's not all just go 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 every time sometimes the best thing for you is 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 rest and recovery and as, as a guy who you know it's tough. And that's just like the mentality of most guys. Like, uh, you know, don't be a wuss, this mm-hmm. and that. Like you got, you know, and then other people will say that, but there, in, in my, in my opinion, if you look at our bodies, if you look at, uh, physiology and, and, and science and research, you know, there's a certain way to go about it. That's correct. And that's going to be even harder to do than just to be tough all the time. Mm-hmm. And of course we're going to be tough all the time. Like that, that, that's, that's almost, it's a prerequisite. It's a, it's a, a prerequisite. Like you're not going to be, yeah, you're not going to be, okay. You're not, you're not going to be in that position if you're not, if right. you're not tough, but 
being tough looks different depending on the situation. Like, for example, for me with my training camps, the last few weeks I'm tapering down and that's when I want to be doing the most. And, and that's tough in its, it's own way. It's so tough because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I leave practice and I'm like, well, sometimes I'm like, okay, did I do what I need to be doing? Sometimes I'm like, dang, I want to do more, but I know this is part of the plan. And mm-hmm. this is, and, and, I, and it's not, I'm not doing this randomly. I'm not, I'm doing this based on research, based on tons of evidence and tons of people that have come before me and done what I want to do. So who, I mean, who came up with this for you? So I work with, uh, Sam Calvita in the training lab mm. and, um, I've been working with him since I was in college. In addition to that, you know, uh, Is that the, did TJ use yeah, him? Yeah. So we, there's a bunch of fighters and wrestlers that, yeah, Aaron, that use coach Pico, Cal, I think. Pico. Yeah. 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 So coach Cal is like literally a full blown genius. Like he's mm. so, so smart. So on the, in the know and on the cutting edge of anything to do with physiology and training. Mm. Like I, I trust him wholeheartedly with with anything, and not on, not just because of my results, but because of I don't even know how many Olympic gold medalists, MMA champions that that he's worked with, and who all those guys just take take it to another level as far as the commitment outside of training, outside of the cage, right? Like that that type of stuff is why I trust him. And in addition to that, like Penn State wrestling has worked with him for over a decade. Mm. He he's been good friends with one of our coaches for probably 25 years. So there's a lot of kind of that goes into like me making that decision and knowing I'm getting the correct information. It's not just, okay, I started working with this dude and I think it's going to be good. Like I'm not guessing. I know Mm -hmm. he's not guessing and I've worked with him for a long time. So I know how I feel. And a lot of times it's harder to do less. Right. But I know like I'm here to perform on Saturday night right. at UFC, whatever number, like that's the goal. Like, you know, so I'm not going to let my little pride of feeling like I need to do more in training, like get in the way of that. Like it's, it, it's a battle, but yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> There's a science to it. It is. There is. And I just trust that. And I just trust that. And I feel like, uh, I've had enough results for me personally that I know it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. So that makes it easier. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I love that part of it. It's, uh, you know, you guys are put in the biggest spotlight and expected to perform flawlessly. And it's like, so with so much at stake, I, I have so much respect for all the fighters. And of course I have an, I have opinions. I love weighing in on stuff, but, uh, I don't know shit. I'm just, <laughs> I just, I just love, I loved, I mean, I love your mindset. I mean, in how you look at it, that to me, it's like, I mean, the winning mindset I don't know. You need both. You need the the uh, the ability to win, and then also you need that mindset. Yeah, and you got it both. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, we'll switch gears to hunting. What drew What drew you to? Is it Is it bow hunting or just hunting in general? What do you love? Bow hunting. Yeah, yeah bow hunting is what I love. I mean, I do I do some like upland bird hunting and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it's really just kind of filler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you know what I'm saying, like uh, archery, though, is like. Number one for me, you know, bow hunting, being out there in the mountains, knowing I got to be right up close to this animal. That's like what it is for me. But really, um, I was, this was maybe three-ish years ago. Um, I was thinking about, uh, I graduated from college and stuff, and I was kind of moving into, like, I guess, real life, figuring out what I wanted to do. And, you know, I have stuff going on with my career in 
in fighting, stuff going on in, in business, but I wanted something else that was like a passion for me. It's something that I was really excited to do that that kind of aligned and matched up with the rest of, of uh, my life and something I could pursue and want to improve on and get better at. And, you know, so I golfed her a little bit and I was like, uh, this is like, I don't know if I can <laughs> really for old rich guys. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if this for me. And then I actually, I saw you on Instagram and, uh, I had some, you know, hunters, in my family, my grandpa and my dad hunted some, but I was always wrestling during hunting season. So it was never something I did growing up. Uh, but I saw you on Instagram and I was like, okay, this looks sick. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in, in, in this and, you know, just seeing you on, on the driveway shooting or running or killing massive bulls, started watching YouTube videos. And I wanted to make sure this was something I was really sure about. So I took probably six months and, uh, didn't, didn't like go to archery shop, didn't like do anything, just like kind of thought about it and kept mm-hmm. watching film and stuff. And then after that, I was like, all right, let's do this. So I contacted a guy I knew and he said, you need to go to the Lancaster archery, get you set up. It's like the best bow shop in the area. Mm-hmm. So I went over to Lancaster archery, they hooked it up, they set me up. And, uh, at that point it was late summer and I was like, yo, I'm all in on this, but I know the type of work that, that you do. Mm-hmm. I know like, all right, I'm not going to be able to shoot some arrows for a month and then go, go like, I'm not gonna be ready. Right. So and I took a whole year. And then after that year, then I was like, all right, I'm gonna hunt whitetail. So hunt, I had my first, uh, bow hunting success. I killed a whitetail in West Virginia mm. yeah, on the ground, public land by myself, which was really cool. I was That's like, impressive. super pumped about it. Yeah. And I didn't really know, like I knew, so my, I, I never had like experience, right? Like I'd, I'd done some hunting before that with a rifle. Like the year before I was like, okay, I want to hunt. I'm not ready to do archery yet. So I'm going to like, I hunt with a rifle and I killed a bull, um, that first year shot at like in Colorado, shot at like 220 yards and it was awesome. I was like super pumped, but I knew like the goal is bow hunting. Yeah. And so then the next year I had some success whitetail. And then this year, uh, this was the year that the first year I was like full, like all in, like setting time aside, really committing to it. Mm, yeah. For like and taking you had success. Trip. Yeah, I did. Yeah. You killed a bull. Killed a bull. Yeah. yeah. Killed a bull. It was sick. <laughs> That's uh, impressive. Yeah. It was fun, man. I, I feel like really lucky, really grateful that I'm able to, to kind of set my schedule with what I do. Right. Like after my f- fight in the summer, Rogan interviewed me. I'm like, listen, don't call me in September because I'm gonna be in the mountains, and uh, <laughs> I'm fortunate to do that. So I yeah. feel really, really grateful. But it's definitely something to me that it aligns a lot with my mentality, with fighting. With I'm gonna get out what I put in, mm-hmm. and I know that if I am better prepared, like like I'm gonna be the better prepared I am, the more chance of success I, I'm gonna have. Of course, there's a wild animal on the other end of that equation mm-hmm. that you know. But I try to do everything I can to factor everything in. And put myself in good position to have success, and I, I'm really addicted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's fun. I mean, you're a great shot. We were at the bow rack, and um, you know, you were shooting your bow. We're making sure everything was dialed in just right. And uh, yeah, I mean, you obviously have put arrows downrange. I need to work, you know, more. I feel like I get in a groove and I start, uh, you know, shooting shooting better and stuff like that. But I'm really still figuring it out. To me, it's like the same as my career in the UFC. Like I'm learning so much, trying to improve, trying to get better. And that's why I feel really grateful to have been able to come here, hang out with you for the day, go to the bow rack, get, you know, good information. Cause 
there's so much information out there. It's, yeah. It can be overwhelming for somebody that's a beginner. And that's how I feel about myself. Like I'm just, I'm a beginner. I'm trying to learn, trying to improve, get better and uh, put, put more time in, you know, cause that, that, that's what it is to me. I, I know if, with, with my mentality and discipline, I put the time in, I'm, I'm keep shooting, keep getting better, keep learning, putting myself in situations, hunting where I, I, you know, have opportunities to, to learn and just experience things. Then, you know, the goal is just to like, be like you <laughs> and just freaking kill it. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I mean, you, I have no doubt because what stood out to me in, in talking about that, your hunting experience is like how intentional you were because a lot of people, they would get a bow and they would shoot for a month and then they'd go out and expect to kill a big bull with that bow. And you're, you understand that, no, I haven't put in the work. You're very intentional about your timeline, about your goals, and also about that, you know, you're still learning a lot, you know, at the bow rack today. So there's so much, I mean, I learn every day. Mm -hmm. I learn every time I go hunting. I don't, and so when you have that mindset, that you that there's so much to learn it's so much different than having the mindset of oh i know it i've done this before you're never learning then right right so i mean i love your intentionality and i love your the mindset of like hey this is you know i'm just trying to get better every day i'm trying to learn every day you will be you know killing bull, more bulls than me in i don't no know time. about that this is uh <laughs> yeah pretty crazy but oh uh, well, i've been help you're 27 yeah, so I've been I've been doing it longer than you've been alive. So <laughs> yeah. it's like I've had a, a little bit of a head start. Right, yeah. yeah, so like 35 years of bow hunting. Jeez, but that'll do it. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't you know a spot on the stock or I mean a on the ground whitetail your first year. That's impressive, dude. So I, I'm not trying to like talk about you know myself, but I do feel like God's blessed me with some some type of like talent, and I don't know if you'd call it luck, but I've seemed to just get a lot of opportunities at animals. And I think that all my training and fighting and wrestling and feeling that pressure really prepares me for those situations. Cause like, you know, when I get in a situation where I have a shot at an animal, you know, a lot of people are, yeah, I'm sure. And I feel like very calm, very mm -hmm. relaxed. Like I, I've, I've been here before. Like I don't, yeah. I didn't, I don't feel like I had those beginner jitters right. that most people probably would. So I've been really fortunate. Like I just, I pretty much, you know, been able to kill like quite a bit, right? Like I said, uh, my first year was just uh, training and I shot a bull with a uh, rifle. The next year I got a whitetail and then I got a mule deer with a rifle. And then this year I was able to have, you know, quite a bit of success. Uh, got a mule deer uh, with, with my bow, turkey with my bow, and then a bull with my bow all in the same month, mm. which was pretty fun. That's awesome. So I, I'm, I feel really, you know, like, I think maybe some, some people like have that. I, I've read, read some statistics where it's like 90% of animals get killed by like 10% of hunters and yeah. things like that. So whatever it is, I think that I, uh, I have good, good instincts, but again, it's about getting better and proven. There's always going to be for me, a, it's going to be a learning experience. It's going to be, you know, a lot of growth and improving and maybe i'll get like like this one day <laughs> yeah you know you know who doesn't like your ability to get it done is the 90 percent who don't kill right <laughs> i believe that it's yeah. probably not the most fun yeah yeah they don't they don't like looking at the new guy killing all the stuff yeah it's like oh must be nice he gets to hunt wherever, wherever. yeah it's like dude well grow up, grow up <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think 
you know, that dealing with pressure is a big part because it's like the, the moment can be too big for people mm. too much. You know, you think about it all year and you visualize it and then it's there and that bull's coming in screaming that's intense it is and people do <laughs> shit the bed oh yeah. <laughs> i mean it's just it's just the way it goes and reps help that yeah but also that mindset mm. you know like no this is this is what i do when you have the attitude of this is what i do it changes everything definitely yeah, yeah that's that's for sure my attitude and i feel like it's the same as when i'm fighting I mentioned this earlier, but like when I see a guy's face or his body or wherever I'm trying to hit, like that's just a target. It's not even like a real person. It's just mm. a target. And so I have, the, I don't know if it's like this with you, but when I have an animal come out, it's like just the vitals. Like mm. I don't look at, look at the rack. I don't look at anything else. It's just like, where is my, where does my arrow need to go? Yeah. And, and it becomes almost, you just zone in. Right. Things happen slow. Like my, my last bull an archery I killed I, I was drawn back for like a minute and 15 seconds I didn't mm, even know really I had no idea and yeah, then I just I, in that zone yeah I timed it on the phone and I was like wow I was drawn, drawn for a long time but I had <laughs> no idea yeah and then, you know made, made a good shot and stuff but it's just like for some reason I can just turn off that emotion and that kind of almost like human feeling of panic it's like mm -hmm. no all it is is me and this target yeah 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 that's uh I mean it is kind of a superpower I mean because Essentially, you're eliminating distractions and you're staying focused on the goal. Mm -hmm. That sounds so easy and it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I can only do it because I spent 20 plus years having to do that exact thing in my in my sport, right? Mm -hmm. Like that. That's what I I had to do, and there was a lot of loss and a lot of times where I failed mm -hmm. that has allowed me to be able to like be at and have the mindset to be able to do that, right? Like it's not like. I don't think people just get up out of bed and do it, right? Like, I just apply what I've put. The same principles. Yeah, the same principles. Yeah, yeah, that it makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a proven formula. Um, well, okay, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to eat some elk chili. Yeah. So that's kind of good, right? Go. But I did want to just tell people, you know, what because I know you have a podcast going. Mm -hmm. What? what as far as the Bo Nickel brand, what, what's going on right now? Where can people check you out? Yeah, so I got a podcast. It's uh, Nickels and Dimes. Have it on YouTube and uh, Spotify. And just me and my buddy Anthony, who's another fighter, just chopping it up, chatting about mindset mm -hmm. and things like that. And uh, yeah, then you can you can get me on social media at uh, on Instagram No Bickle One, and then I'm on Twitter as well. Uh, but yeah. Come, uh, come watch some fighting, watch some hunting. That's pretty much what I'm into. So growing, yeah. growing steaks here and there. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I, I can't wait to, uh, can't wait to see your next fight. Thank you, man. I, I, I mean, can't wait to fight. Yeah. They, they've been pretty short. <laughs> so it's like people just get just a small taste and then you win. Yeah. And then it's like, God, this guy, I want to see if all this hype's real, but he wins too quick. <laughs> Hopefully we'll keep it that way for a couple more at least. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm a big fan. I have no doubt you're going to achieve your dreams because you have for 27 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, again, thank you for coming. You're an true outlier. That's who I want to talk to. That's who I want to learn from. And I, I feel like I, I too learn from your mindset and I can apply it to what I do, which is the goal of this show. So thank you for coming to Springfield, Oregon and hanging out today. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate right. you having me on. All right. We'll catch you next time. One of my favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis 
is a Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee is a dark roast called Gothic Serpent. The exclusive coffee subscription gives you nothing but the best. It's a coffee of the month club where you get premium roasts from the best farms worldwide. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. It's veteran owned and operated. They support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off.